Chris, Chris, I'm so excited. I just found my dream house. It has a picket fence and a yellow door, and it's so beautiful here in LA. I'm so lucky that I was able to find a house in the LA housing market. So um, can I just quickly have the uh, go chuck yourself checkbook so I can put a down payment down? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's so exciting. I'm, I'm so happy for you. That's going to be awesome. Let me just uh, go through the go check yourself files right here. We got this, we got that. And here is the checkbook. Uh, let me just, uh, you should be fine to write out ever however much you need for the down payment. I know that we kind of, we have a lot of money here at go check yourself. We've been very successful, so I'm sure it should be fine. So how just out of curiosity, though, how much is the down payment? Oh, um, it's uh, $60 million. $60 million. Oh, wow. You got Pretty expensive taste. Uh, let's see. All right, oh, that should be fine though. We've been doing, <laughs> we've been doing pretty well. I think we should we've been be able doing to float pretty to well. 60 We've got all yeah. that uh, that uh, what is uh, the Blue Apron money? Right, exactly. Yeah. So much money from so many yeah. sponsors. So mm -hmm, let me just mm -hmm. double check the finances before we go through with that. And yes, we uh, definitely do not have sixty million dollars. What? Uh, I'm sorry. I I haven't actually looked at our finances before. Apparently. We are not what they refer to as in the black. We are uh, in the red, both of which are colors from the, the Chuck aesthetic. That's true. Uh, yes. So that's a positive. But the negative is that we don't have any money and we're in extreme debt. Oh. You can't afford the house right now, but I do have an idea. We should do another season of Go Chuck Yourself, and that will help us raise $60 million that you need to purchase your dream house. One, one more season. I'm back in just for that. And then that's it. One last ride. We got one more in us and then we're going to be done. So let's do it. We're back for one more season. It's numero cinco here on Go Chuck Yourself. My name is Chris Gillespie. My name is Aaron Arata. And we are embarking on what is one of, if not the last chapter of the Go Chuck Yourself adventure, the, the voyage into all things Chuck. That's right. We're talking about, or starting today, we're going to be talking about Chuck season five, the final Ooh. season of Chuck. I'm holding up the DVD uh, set of that right now listener you can't see it but i have There's it in my a lot hands. of people on that cover yeah they crammed them all in there we got <laughs> uh chuck sarah morgan casey ellie devin big mike jeff and lester that's just about everyone and it says oh actually i probably should have read this before we did our intro because it says never say one last mission right on it Oh, so, okay. Well, we we did we broke the the rule. <laughs> yes, we have broken the rule. Uh, this is the I guess season premiere of of our season five. We're going to be talking about Chuck versus the Zoom, which is a <laughs> funny title now. Uh, I guess it was <laughs> kind of weird before, but now it's a funny title. Um, but before we get into that, I wanted to get. We have some some pretty big milestones to celebrate. We have been off for a few months since we recorded our last season. We did do an episode about the Tomorrow War recently. Yes, we did. Um, but we didn't really talk about Chuck at all during that episode. Uh, but some things that I wanted to point out. So we are in the fifth season of Go Chuck Yourself, but it is the 
uh, over the summer, we were not recording, but we missed our uh, third anniversary oh my God. of recording. So this is our third year of doing Go Check Yourself. Uh, we really blitzed through the show. I We, we have <laughs> three years. Uh, it took Chuck, what, like five years to get through five seasons? But it only took us three. So we're much more efficient. That's uh, true. Yes, we are. The, the, the we, don't, we don't take those those breaks. I mean, we we did just take a fairly long break, but we don't take as long breaks as network television shows. Right. Correct. So there's that. So we have our fifth season, third anniversary of Go Check Yourself. It is the uh, when this episode is going to be airing is around the 14th anniversary of the premiere of Chuck. Chuck premiered 14 years ago this September. Happy 14th birthday, Chuck. Happy 14. Uh, <laughs> it's not, um, there's not really many milestones associated with 14. I feel like a lot of heroes and heroines in YA novels are 14. Mm-hmm. Um, if your birthday is like over the summer, you could be starting your um, freshman year of high school. If oh, it's yeah. not over the summer, you could be in your final year of middle school. Oh, so is this d- does that mean that the Chuck is now as old as I was when I started watching Chuck? That well, makes sense, right? That does make sense. <laughs> that's a little alarming. Well, so I am now twice as old as I was when I first saw Chuck. <laughs> that is true. That is accurate. <laughs> well, that's fun. I appreciate that. Something um, um, kind of interesting. I don't want to interrupt your milestone, no, please. but um, this is the first episode of Chuck that I ever saw in full. Wow. Um, which we will get into more later, but um, there at Emerson, which is a story I'm sure I've told watching with you and one of your roommates, I mm-hmm. believe it was this premiere. Um, and I and I watched it and I uh, it does a good job of establishing what's going on. I didn't have a lot of the context, but mm-hmm. one might even say it's um, a little aggressive in explaining who these characters <laughs> are and what their relationships are to each other and what is going on in the plot. So this episode, if we, we had watched it in full, it would have mm-hmm. been airing on October 28th, 2011. Sounds so right. that's coming up on its own 10 year anniversary. We must have been getting ready for Halloween if we were gathered around on October 28th. That's very that's close to. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? I think it's probably important to point out that uh, listener, if you haven't if you didn't watch Chuck when it was airing on TV, I'm pretty sure the entirety of this last season was when Chuck was moved to the Friday night death slot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Which makes it even more, uh, uh, I don't say pathetic that I was watching this when it was airing as a (laughs) freshman in college, but um, because they were like, all right, fine, we'll air Chuck, but we don't actually want to give it any kind of valuable airing time or runtime or whatever. So it will be on at eight o'clock on Friday nights when no one is watching television. Except for us. But that ties into speaking of college, speaking of that time, the other anniversary, maybe the most important one that I wanted to point out is that it's 10 years of you and I knowing each other. That's true. That is true. 10 years ago, which is insane. Um, I I've been I feel like I've been anticipating this for a long time. And now it's finally here. I don't know the exact date. I don't know when we started. Uh, I don't know when we exactly when we met or when uh, I don't I don't know. It but would have been September. So it would have been this time. Yeah. We are recording in September. Yes. So Yeah. What you've you've been anticipating this? What have, what have you been anticipating about it? Nothing. I was just like, oh, I've known Aaron for ten years. It's yep. exciting. I didn't get that you like an, I didn't get you like an anniversary present or anything. But it's what something is that ten I've been years? Mindful of. What like what like medal or whatever is ten years? 
Do you know that off the top of your head? Uh, I do not know that off the top of my head. It's tin. You should have gotten me something tin. Or you could have gotten me you could have gotten me tin tin on DVD. I would have also accepted that. Okay. That probably also came out on in theaters around this time as that's, well. That's probably true. So you're probably thinking, well, there can't possibly be any more milestones in one episode, but hold on, listener, there's <laughs> one more coming. And it's this is also a doozy. I'm pretty sure that more or less, this is our 100th episode of Go Chuck Yourself. <laughs> oh my God. Well, like, okay, so you're pretty sure? Isn't that something we should know? Where? What is our doubt? Okay, so, all right, fine, if you want to get into it. So if you go on to Apple Podcasts or whatnot, they would say that we have um, 100 episodes. Uh-huh. But when you have the feed like that, it might also be kind of in- including... Um, like our like the little one off, like quick yeah. little brief ones or it's also definitely including the episodes that we've done about movies or whatever mm-hmm. or whatnot. So okay. it is roughly I don't know if this is the hundredth episode of Chuck necessarily, but it is basically our one hundredth episode. Well, congratulations. We are um a hundred <laughs> years old. No, it's not years. <laughs> I guess it's not years. We are a hundred episodes old, and that is uh unbelievable. Um that's that's a lot a lot of time we spent on this yeah i guess i really wasn't thinking about it but now that i'm stepping back and thinking about that this is our 100th episode we've done this a hundred times wow i don't know if i've ever done anything a hundred times who could say who could say (laughs) um yeah so that's my i mean my first thought was that's as many acres as are in Pooh's homeland um but (laughs) Right, there's that classic metric of measuring things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, when you were like in, I want to say first grade, did you ever have to do anything about the 100th day? I remember like being in elementary school and they'd make this big deal about the 100th day of school, which I think fell in like February. Like the 100th day of school total or the 100th day of first grade? I did not do this. I think I think I did it in multiple grades. So I want to say okay. the school year. Okay. Um, But... There was, I want to say first grade, we and everyone would have to do a project about the, the something with the number 100. You'd have to have 100 okay. of something. Mm-hmm. So my idea, I wish I was making this up, but I'm, I'm not. And my mom is a, a saint for like actually like helping me make this happen and doing this. But this is insane. My idea, first idea that came to my head for the 100th day project was like, we should do a football stadium and have a hundred people in the audience and make that using popsicle sticks. And my mom's like, okay. So (laughs) we made a diorama that was a football stadium that had a hundred little people who were like popsicle stick people in it, all unique and different. Keep in mind other, this first grade, other kids are bringing in like, here's a jar of a hundred marbles, like that kind of thing. (laughs) And I'm like, me and my mom are manufacturing a hundred different individual (laughs) (laughs) popsicle stick people. Um, So, or maybe this is kind of, so basically what I'm saying is this is my second most elaborate 100th day project. That is, that is fair. Um, As you were telling that story, you seem to be rustling around um, on presumably your desk. I thought you were going to take it out. Oh no, I was just. I thought you still had this. I oh, that would be so cool. I I'm um, sure we I don't, don't know. have it. I don't know if it would be so cool. 
<laughs> I should try to track it down. All right, Listener, try to track you, it down. If you've come across a popsicle stick football stadium in your travels, it belongs to me and please return it. I'm sure it's just in the garbage. I am very impressed with your mom. I agree that she is a saint. Um, would this... If you were in first grade, Molly would have been pretty young. So your mom is dealing with a, a young toddler and also her son is forcing her to make a hundred popsicles popsicle stick people yeah yeah that's exactly what happened i would like to add her uh obviously genius son or brilliant imaginative <laughs> creative mind uh and then that was when i was like oh this is just gonna be kind of this is my existence i have big ideas that are difficult and if not impossible to make happen and why i will forever feel pressure to make these things happen even though they're not always feasible so, starting season five with uh, psychological evaluations of our younger selves. Yes. In true go check yourself fashion. Correct. So, where we left off uh, at the end of season four, uh, Chuck and Sarah got married. They reunited That's true. Uh, Vivian Volkov with her father, Alexei Volkov. His real name was uh, Harvey Winterbottom. And uh, they disbanded Volkov Industries forever. They gave. Uh, all the money or some of the money to Chuck and Sarah to Multiple start millions, maybe a billion. It was close to a billion. Yeah. So Chuck and Sarah started their own private spy for hire company called Carmichael Industries. But then they're also like excommunicated from the government because this douchebag Decker is now in charge of Chuck and the government. And he's trying to ruin Chuck's life. Very unclear what's going on with that. Uh, and also Morgan has the intersect now. Yes. And Chuck does not. Your recap is much more comprehensive than mine. Mine Thank says you. Chuck doesn't have the intersect. Morgan does. And they're all freelancers. <laughs> that's basically actually no, that's that's way more succinct. I wish I wrote that down. Um, something that's very important to note about season five is that Sarah has a haircut. She does. So do you, do you want to like just take a little corner to talk about it? I'm sure you have lots of feelings. Um. I I like Sarah's haircut. I like uh, it too. I think she looks good. <laughs> I think it is a nice change of pace from how she was styled in the previous seasons. It's mm -hmm. a little bit more um I'll say mature, but it's it's like well, mature. She's married now, so she's right. gotta um she's gotta switch it up. Sure. Of course. But it's still like fun and it's still yeah. like youthful, but it's I don't know, it looks nice, it looks good on her. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of choppy and wavy in a style that was popular in 2011. But like, it's classic. She looks good. Yeah. OK, so now we've discussed that. That's <laughs> out of the way. We open with Chuck and Sarah in very fancy garb, standing on a pool deck of a glorious, presumably Malibu mansion. Chuck asks Sarah if this is something she could get used to. And she says she's more of a toes in the sand kind of girl, implying that they are on some sort of house hunting adventure. This, it turns out, is actually a fake-out because Chuck and Sarah are actually being held at gunpoint by one Jean-Claude, no last name. One Mark Hamill is playing Jean-Claude, and I gotta say, I pride myself on being able to recognize Mark Hamill in things, but I did not in this case. I played it for Seth. He also did not recognize Mark Hamill. Did you recognize Mark Hamill? I recognized Mark Hamill immediately. Wow, that's very impressive. Thank you. I also assume that they were filming at on location at Mark Hamill's actual beachside mansion. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> um, so Mark Hamill tells his guards not to shoot Chuck and Sarah because he doesn't want to make a mess. Instead, they're going to, quote, make them jump off the pool deck onto the rocks below. 
However, if old Marky Mark doesn't want to make a mess, I feel like his bargaining chip of getting them to jump is gone because he's like not going to shoot them because he just said don't shoot them. So mm-hmm. like, how are they going to make them jump? I don't know. It's my question. Sarah and Chuck bargain by saying that all they want is the vase because it belongs to their client and they have a master spy waiting in the wings to come in and take Jean-Claude down. But right then, some other guards bring out Casey at gunpoint. Frustrated, Chuck pleads, we have another master spy. Sarah hits a button on her bracelet, and Morgan, who is in the van, gets a notification. Chuck and Sarah narrate Morgan sneaking onto the compound in a pretty funny sequence. My favorite part in particular was when Sarah says he's ruthless, and meanwhile, Morgan is hopping through a koi pond, apologizing to each of the fish. Which is kind of a big Aaron move, I would say. Sarah and Chuck demand that Casey offer some anecdote about Morgan's spy prowess, and he responds, do I have to? Which is funny. Cute, cute moment. Finally, Morgan arrives and John Claude laughs, I guess, because Morgan is small. Morgan has some trouble, but eventually he flashes or, well, later we'll learn that he has a different name for flashing. But more on that later. Everyone is shocked by Morgan's skill. The team takes down the bad guys and Morgan kicks Mark Hamill in the face. I'm sure there's a DVD extra somewhere where they talk about that experience. I'll kind of be shocked if there isn't, but we're not going to find out till the end of the season. Everything seems to be going good. Jean-Claude is like, who are you? And Chuck says, Charles Carmichael of Carmichael Industries. Unfortunately, right then, Morgan breaks the vase they were supposed to be rescuing, and the credits roll. I was happy to be back here. I got a little tingly seeing my old friends again. Mm -hmm. I thought this was the regular dynamic. It was nice. It was fun. Like like to see it. How did you feel? I I also felt uh, happy to be back. It seems like no time has passed at all, even though some time has passed. So I was happy to uh, get back into the swing of things. And I was very excited for uh, the credits, intro credits to roll. It's nice because I'm, I know we've said this before, but everybody looks a little bit different. And it's a great way of seeing like their modern season five personas up against like where they started out with Chuck's like shaggy haired picture and like Sarah's longer hair and mm-hmm. all those things. It's very exciting. Casey looks basically the same, but aside from that. Yeah. After the credits, we learn that it's chill that the vase broke because the client actually wanted the microchip inside. Not sure why everybody's putting microchips inside priceless vases. That seems to be a thing in the Chuck universe. Um, The only problem about the broken vase is that they were going to use it as payment. And since it's broken, there's a bit of a budget talk since the team is rapidly burning through Volkov's money. Casey and Sarah want to get a government contract, but Chuck refuses to work with Decker. Rightfully so, I feel. He was kind of, I wouldn't really want to work with him either. It seems like kind of a toxic environment. Right. Although it doesn't, like, why would they have to work for or with, there's, the government is big enough. Couldn't they pick a different branch of the government to be working with? I mean, I guess that's fair. They didn't need to work with the CIA. They could work with the NSA. They could work for the Army. They could work for the Air Force. But then didn't in the last season finale, didn't Chuck have to go against the government? Like, aren't they kind of fugitives or but they're not really fugitives? I don't know if they're fugitives anymore. Unclear. Up in the buy more, Morgan and Chuck are working on something called Operation View from the Bluff, which seems to be Chuck trying to find a house for him and Sarah. In 2011, Los Angeles. Good luck, buddy. Per Sarah's comment, they redub the operation Toes in the Sand and make a funny quip about how this will work as an acronym, which I'm sure will not be done to death throughout the episode. This house hunting, it turns out, is Chuck's real reason for being a bit stressed about money. He reasons that they could always sell the buy more, which prompts them to look around and notice that everything in the store seems quiet and normal. 
Chuck and Morgan are a little dubious of this, and rightfully so. As soon as they head back to Castle, Lester hoists up a banner reading, Save Jeff Barnes. I hope Jeff's okay. He might be hurt. Me too. It'll take a little while for us to find out, but once we do find out, it will be a very quick process. <laughs> Down in Castle, Casey has basically kidnapped a prospective client, complete with duct tape on his mouth. Once relieved of this, the client explains that he's been Ponzi-schemed by someone called Bale and lost millions of dollars. He tells the team that 20% of what they recover is theirs if they can recover it. Everyone is on board except Casey, who's not convinced until he hears that Bale stole $2 million from Rush Limbaugh. Just pretty upsetting to hear, I will say. It, I mean, it was, it was a good bit. Uh, it was maybe even a great bit, but not, not a fan. Sorry, listener, just for context, uh, when Aaron says that it's upsetting to hear, it's because she still hasn't really worked through her grief over Rush Limbaugh's <laughs> passing recently. So um, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. she's just very sensitive to it. That's true, yes. Uh, just old, old Rushy, always thinking about him, always in, always in our heart. I've always kind of viewed you as kind of like the Rush Limbaugh of Go Chuck Yourself. I feel like you're kind of carrying on his mantle. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, well... Um... I don't have I don't have more to say about that, but thank you. I appreciate the comparison. That's something I've always wanted to hear um, here on our hundredth episode. We learn that Bale conducts his business from a secure BlackBerry, which is very charming. What's also charming is that Bale is hosting a party in the next couple of days, and that will be the perfect opportunity to take him down. <laughs> which is just so original. We've never seen something like that before. <laughs> do i even have to say it why i don't even i was like <laughs> seriously we why if you have if, if you're doing anything illegal don't throw big parties it just don't do it they're gonna throw a big party though well he's gotta get the people to ponzi scheme and how else are you gonna do that you gotta have a party i guess so but don't they say he's like going he's leaving for a significant period of time right after the party why isn't he like busy packing this night you know getting ready for his trip he should be getting an early, he should have an early night so he's ready for his flight the next day, you know? Ironically, actually, just this weekend, I was watching Lucifer, um, which I'm sure I've mentioned on the show many times, uh, a Vic Sahay vehicle, one might say. Um, and there's a bit of a will they, won't they in that show. Um, and once the couple gets together, they immediately break them up again. And I was thinking to myself, like, there's so many ways when a couple is together to kind of like, add drama and stakes to the show. And one of the things I came up with was house hunting. So it was ironic that I then watched this show where they're using house hunting. That is what Morgan and Chuck are talking about as they do some recon on Bale. Morgan flashes on Bale's bag and learns that he has a standing squash game that they can use as a way to get his Blackberry. This is exciting, but even more exciting is the fact that he calls flashing zooming. So basically, you and I are flashing right now. Please stop flashing me, Chris. <laughs> we have fun here on Go Chug Yourself. So the theme of the episode, Beyond House Hunting and Money, is that everyone keeps talking about how Chuck is a hero for not being upset about no longer having the intersect. In the next scene, though, we cut to Chuck and Ellie looking at the intersect glasses, saying this version of the intersect is a one-time deal and there's no way for Chuck to get it back. They have a heart-to-heart about how Chuck is worried that the company won't work if he doesn't have the intersect, but Ellie tells him, the computer didn't make you a hero, it just gave you an opportunity to become one. Ellie at this point is, I am, I'm assuming she's like the, like one of the tech people for Carmichael Industries, like she 
She's yeah, like an unofficial that. tech person. Right. We don't know that for sure. They do not explain it, and Ellie no. does not appear again in the episode, so that is no. left to our imaginations for right now. Um, that is true. Later on, Chuck explains to the team that their mission is to hack into Bale's PDA so they can invite themselves to the guest list for his party. Uh, Bale is not Christian Bale, uh, but a character played by Craig Kilborn, um, who I think was the... He was like a comedian, late night host. I don't think he does a ton of acting now, probably for good reason. Come on, he was great. <laughs> so to hack into the PDA, they're going to stage a squash game with Bale in which Casey uh, will then get the PDA from his locker while Chuck distracts Bale as his what squash is, opponent. I'm sorry to interrupt you. What does PDA stand for? Public display of affection. Thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. In this circumstance, uh, personal digital assistant, maybe? Okay, because so when pocket digital assistant, when Chuck referenced hacking into his PDA, I thought it was a reference to the fact that Bale was currently with two women and like putting his hands on them. So I thought it was kind of like a clever play on words. Um, I didn't realize that PDA was another term for Blackberry. So every time (laughs) you were you were saying this, I thought like Chris is pretty stupid. I didn't get the joke hacking the pda in your mind would be like if so if there was a couple in public and they were kissing or embracing somehow Mm -hmm. yeah to hack that pda you as an outsider would have to come up to them and push one of them out of the way and then start (laughs) kissing the other person oh well i mean that wasn't what i was thinking i was thinking maybe like come in between them like a human shield and say like no no pda But I mean, yours works too. That is technically hacking is like getting in there. So, okay, hacking yeah. the PDA. I, I Season five is off to a great start if we have <laughs> hacking the PDA as a uh, new expression. Um, so anyhow, Chuck points out or sorry, Casey points out that Chuck might not actually be the best, best one to play Bale and Squash since they don't really think that Chuck knows how to play Squash. Uh, Chuck insists that he could fake it for half an hour, but even Sarah doesn't believe this. <laughs> Am I right, ladies? Uh, so <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I guess Sarah would be the one faking it for a half hour in that circumstance. Uh, I I don't feel comfortable talking about Chuck and Sarah's <laughs> sex life, so I'm going to move out of this conversation. Uh, anyhow, the group decides that Morgan is going to be the one playing squash since he can zoom on squash and Chuck can pose as the masseuse for Bale's actual squash opponent. Uh, does he have a name? I don't know if he has a name or not, the opponent. He's just like he a big, scary dude. He doesn't have a name. Dude. He is a big, scary dude played by someone named Drew Slocum, who, okay. from what I can tell, has never been in anything other than Chuck. <laughs> I thought maybe he was some sort of a wrestler, um, but I can't really find him. There are other Slocum wrestlers, so maybe he goes by a different name. But all I can find um, of... Drew Slocum is a um, a LinkedIn profile for um, a founder of an investment company who, I mean, maybe, maybe this is him, but uh, I'm not sure. So yeah, this is his only acting credit is my point here. At the country club, everything seems to be going according to plan. Chuck is massaging uh, Drew Slocum. Morgan is introducing himself to Bale and impressing him with uh, Carmichael Industries, which he pretends to be like the owner of. Casey is using a lockpick to break into Bale's locker. Things continue to go well. Morgan zooms on squash and becomes a professional squash player. Casey gets his hands on the PDA. Chuck gets his hands and elbows on Drew Slocum's (laughs) back. Everything has been going too smoothly. So naturally, one of Bale's security guys finds Casey messing around with the locker. 
Uh, Sarah pages Chuck to tell him. So Chuck decides to try to tranquilize Drew Slocum. Uh, but his hands are so slippery from all the massage oil. So the gun slips out of his hands. Uh, they have a kind of a silly uh, massage room fight in where everything's yep, slippery. Mm-hmm, and, yeah. Uh, Drew Slocum is half naked. Uh, Drew Slocum says that he is, quote, 400 pounds of pure meat. His words, not mine. <laughs> uh, Chuck has a hard time tranquilizing him. He just doesn't go down uh, elsewhere. We find out that the security guard that is confronting Casey is actually one of Casey's old friends from the military or some other previous life. And his name is Stark, right? His name is Stark, which I'm assuming is a reference to Tony Stark and Marvel because this is Chuck and that's what they do. (laughs) Sarah signals to Morgan to stretch out his time with Bale before coming into the squash room herself to pose as Morgan's girlfriend. Morgan alludes to being interested in investing in Bale's company. So between that opportunity and seeing Sarah, Bale decides to invite Morgan and Sarah to his party, which is good because their plan would have totally failed otherwise because Casey did not get the PDA. Later that day, Chuck tells Morgan that they're all set for Morgan and Sarah to go to Bale's party. Morgan detects that Chuck has some FOMO going on regarding the intersect and reminds him about the beach house with their exceedingly tasteful binder. Sarah enters at this point and Morgan scurries out with the binder. Sarah points out to Chuck that she's a trained spy who can tell when her husband is hiding something, but Chuck insists that he doesn't have a secret. But Sarah is not impressed. As Sarah exits, Chuck sighs and turns his head to see a security monitor of the Bymore, where the Save Jeffrey Barnes sign is on full display above the nerd herd desk. Chuck and Morgan hurry up to the Bymore to try to figure out what's going on. Jeff and Lester are nowhere to be seen until we hear the sound of an electric wheelchair. Jeff, wearing a neck brace, wheels in through the entrance of the store in said electric wheelchair, nearly running Chuck and Morgan over in the process. He doesn't even seem to notice them or acknowledge them as he drives straight towards the nerd herd desk and collides with it. Chuck and Morgan are speechless until Lester comes out and explains that Jeff was run over by, quote, a stampede of middle-aged secretaries in line for the midnight release of the talking Justin Bieber doll. Of course, it was 2011. And Jeff may never walk again. Lester then explains that Chuck and Morgan would have already known that if they actually showed up for work at the Buy More and guilts them into feeling like bad coworkers and friends. As Lester walks away, Morgan does feel bad, but Chuck doesn't believe any of it for a second, and Morgan quickly realizes that Chuck is probably right. Chuck and Morgan follow Jeff through the store while discussing how they're going to catch uh, Jeff in the act and expose him for as a fraud. Chuck and Morgan try to figure out a plan for tricking Jeff out of his chair, which... Oh, man, I hope they are 100% sure that he's faking it, because that would be terrible if he actually was paralyzed. And they're like, come on, Jeff, get out of your chair. Uh, But the show isn't dark enough for that. Anyhow, we don't have to wait very long to find out that they are correct in assuming that it's fake. Upon needing to reach a higher shelf for work, Jeff gets out of his chair in front of everyone and easily walks up a flight of stairs um, to put a what appears to be a computer mouse like a box of like a gaming computer mouse onto like the highest top like display case back shelf thing uh from a merchandising perspective i was very upset with this that made no sense (laughs) i despise the merchandising practices at the buy more and i really hope that chuck and sarah can get them under control chuck and morgan call him out for being a fake and uh more uh lester leaps to jeff's defense until he realizes that there is no defense Chuck and Morgan take down the banner and grab all the donated money and agree that they need to spend more time at the buy more. We don't know what they do with the donated money. Yeah, because they say, like, give it back to the people, but it's cash donations from, like, random customers. So that Mm -hmm. seems like it's going to be a lot of trouble. 
So, and knowing that Carmichael Industries is having some financial troubles, I think Chuck and Morgan probably just pocketed this money. Well, that's pretty dark, and I hadn't thought of that, but yes, that's probably true. We're in the Friday night death slot, Aaron. Things are going to get dark. (laughs) That's true. Back in the courtyard, Chuck remembers that Sarah wants to talk to him about his secret house plan when he gets home. Chuck then proceeds to knock on his own door to enter (laughs) his own home and asks if Sarah's there. She calls out from the other room. So naturally, Chuck starts to ramble anxiously about what he's been up to rather than like actually waiting to see her in person. Um, Also, the apartment is like lowly lit, low lit, and uh, there's a bunch of candles set up around the living room. So that probably means, yep, Sarah is going to walk out wearing some kind of absurd lingerie. (laughs) Happy season five, everyone. I would say it is absurd that this is happening, but I feel like her lingerie was not absurd in itself. I just want to I just want to offer my opinions on that. She's really just wearing heels and like a like sort of like a corset type thing. It it looked like you could just go to your local Victoria's Secret and buy that right now if you wanted to. It wasn't that crazy. It wasn't. okay. I don't think it was that crazy. I guess that's a uh, testament to how (laughs) unknowledgeable I am. (laughs) There were like suspenders involved, though, right? Yeah, but I feel like those those kinds of things just have that like that. They weren't like connected to anything. My mind is so blown right now. I'm so, so confused because it's like the, the premise of those is like you connect them to your stockings. Like, so that's that's what those things were there for. Okay. Um, I don't think they were connected to her stockings. She just looked like she was wearing a sexy Halloween costume. You put a you put a hat and a beard on her. She'd be sexy Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> that was the first one I thought of. <laughs> I guess also you could put a cat ears on her and she could be a cat. That's probably where I should have gone with it. But I'm going to have very strange <laughs> dreams about Abraham Lincoln tonight. <laughs> Uh, Chuck sees through Sarah's ploy and says that although this has worked in the past, it will not work this time. Sarah is pretty confident that it will work this time and starts kissing up on Chuck's neck. As soon as this happens, we jump cut to Sarah knocking on Morgan's door saying, hand it over. Morgan says he cracked like an egg and hands over the uh, house hunting binder. Back in their bedroom, Sarah flips through the binder and seems to think that it's sweet and not annoying that Chuck started looking for houses without her. (laughs) Chuck points out one house in particular in the binder and asks Sarah what she thinks. She hesitates, so Chuck says that he'll keep working on it. Sarah then reveals that growing up, she often fantasized about a dream home for her family since they didn't really have a home. She says that she always pictured a white house with a red door and a white picket fence, which she knows is silly, but she still wants it. Chuck agrees that it sounds perfect and says that he will do anything to find Sarah's dream home. So maybe they can work on this together now. No, they cannot. Sarah is not allowed to look for a house at all. Chuck is the only one that is allowed to do it because that is the nature of their relationship. Absolutely. That is absolutely true. Um, I am glad that they at least had a little conversation about what Sarah wanted, but uh, not not enough, I would say. We then cut to outside of Bale's party, which he's apparently having at his office building. Morgan, Sarah, and Casey head into the event while Chuck stays in the van and has more than enough time to reiterate the plan for the evening. Casey's going to locate Bale's computer vault while Morgan and Sarah cause a distraction, giving Casey enough time to infiltrate the vault and hack into the system. Uh, I was going to say Team Bartowski or Team Carmichael, but it's really Team Grimes at this point, I guess. Meets up with Bale's uh, or Bale who says that he's received Morgan's money transfer and is very excited to have Morgan on as an investor. 
Morgan then introduces Casey as his mute manservant named Chalmers. And Bale invites Morgan and Sarah to follow him, leaving Casey behind. Casey pulls Morgan aside to say that he was supposed to be posing as Morgan's accountant. But Morgan says that the mute manservant decision was just a little improvisation. And to be fair, I wrote all of that down because I thought it would come back in some kind of meaningful way. It did not. It was a one-off joke. (laughs) So I wish I did not write it down. I don't even know why I said it aloud. But that is what is going on in this scene. So in the next scene, Casey puts on some sort of glasses that seem to allow him to see electricity in the walls. Is that, is that what you like, thought was going on? They're kind of like x-ray glasses, but the only thing that they can see through is walls and they like highlight electrical wiring. And yeah, like things, he sees, but it also identifies what the wires are. Yeah. I'm not sure what they are. Um, and... It's not sus at all that he puts them on for like five seconds, then immediately takes them off and puts them away. They very much look like a something that they would have got at the spy supply store, which I'm hoping is still yeah, in the I plaza. Hope I hope it's still there. They obviously would probably could do some good business now that Carmichael Industries is right there. That's true. Yeah. Um. So meanwhile, um, Bale is uh, feeling Sarah up and whispering <laughs> sweet nothings into her ear. Morgan is scandalized by this on his own and also Chuck's behalf and threatens to Zoom to beat Bale up, but Chuck is able to talk him down. We have a fun little tango scene while Casey breaks into the vault. The plan is apparently to download all the accounts and rewrote them to their original investors, but just as Casey is doing this, Chuck's setup in the van goes dark and Decker appears on the screen. I was like, Jesus, this guy. Like, I still, I don't know what his deal is. Why is he there? He says that he's going to download all of Bale's accounts instead, which I thought was going to be a problem because it would mean that Chuck and his team wouldn't get paid. But I guess the real problem is that this will trigger the alarm and Chuck's people are still inside. Decker gets really close to the camera, which I'm doing right now, and whispers, payback's a bitch, Charlie. And like, payback for what? What is Decker (laughs) mad about? What is this? Do you know? Am I forgetting something? I don't know. That I guess just because Chuck bested him in the, the last episode, I, I mean, guess. I, I guess he kind of did. But, like, not even really. I think, well, I, I think what needed to happen was that because this episode is called Chuck versus the Zoom, they needed uh-huh. some instance of Zoom in the episode. So when Decker calls Chuck in the van, it's using the video conferencing platform Zoom. That's where the name of the episode gets okay. its origin. Yeah. Completely understand. That's the yeah. only reference to Zoom. So Casey is dragged away by Stark and Sarah is taken off by Bale. Morgan is knocked unconscious. In Bale's office, he realizes that he's been locked out of his accounts. We get a fun callback to the beginning where Sarah says that they have a master spy on their side, but this time she's referring to Chuck. Chuck pretends to be an IT man and sneaks into Bale's office. He then grabs onto all of the wires and says that if he pulls any of them out, Bale's going to lose his money, which I don't really think that's how that works. Um, But Bale (laughs) seems convinced because he allows Chuck to bargain and let all of Chuck's team out. Unfortunately, this is leaving Chuck inside with nothing more to bargain with. And he thinks he's going to die and tells everyone to run out to the van. But once they're in the van, they find a, it's not really like a Zoom video conference, but it is, maybe he recorded it using Zoom, much like we record our episodes. Um, He explains his plan to them, which is to turn out the electricity in the building so that Chuck is able to run down the hallway and jump out a window. 
Um, he falls four stories onto their <laughs> van and is apparently fine. He doesn't even like hurt his legs, his wrist, his shins. No. He's fine. He's good. He yeah. just he belly flopped onto the roof of a large van and he's <laughs> good to go. He's, he's good fine. to go. Doesn't he's... even like didn't even sprain anything. Doesn't no. even have like a cast in the next scene. He's good. Nope, he's fine. Um, so it seems like everything is turning out well. But unfortunately, once they get back to Castle, they learn that Decker took all the money, including Morgan's transfer of, um, I guess, Carmichael Industries' last funds. So the only thing they have left are the Bymore and Castle, which, like, I mean, to be honest, that that seems like a, a decent, like, they don't have any, like, monetary assets, but they still have these two things. Um, but Chuck is really upset by this. Um, he says that he needs some air, but what he actually needs to do is drive somewhere that doesn't look like L.A. Um, to a white house with a red door and a white picket fence. Sarah meets him there and says to him that they didn't get married because they thought things were going to be easy. They got married so they could be there for each other when things got tough, which was a really nice line. I think that's a, a good look on marriage. Um, they decide that they're going to use funds from the Buy More to fund Carmichael Industries, which, um, I mean, I guess if you own a store, maybe, I guess you're using it to, like, fund your own pocket, but that just seems kind of morally weird. And, like, they're, like, Buy More is an established franchise, <laughs> so, like, don't they have to give some money to Buy More Corporate? I'm very confused by the workings of the Buy More in this yeah. episode because mm -hmm. it's like they bought the Buy More, but are they like they because it kind of makes it sound like they bought in the previous episode. They said we bought the Buy More and everything beneath it. So that includes Castle. So that yeah. kind of sounds like they actually became landlords for the Buy More, yeah. which would mean that they wouldn't actually have any kind of interaction or dealings with the actual operations of the Buy More company or the store inside of it. But we seem to be it seems to be that the buy more in this case is a standalone mom and pop store that Sarah <laughs> and Chuck bought and are now going to renovate and or try to spruce up to make it profitable, even though all it seems that buy more is still a corporate entity and has a chain of other store like it is not very clear of this is not how stores work. In if you're if you're listening to or you're watching Chuck and you're like, I want to learn about how stores work. This is not the do not do that because you will yeah, be misled. Don't do that. <laughs> um, Chuck laments the fact that he no longer has the intersect and he's a little worried about what his role will be in Carmichael Industries. But Sarah assures him that his role is as their leader. Just kind of a sweet moment. We then move over to some sort of CIA task force led by Decker. It's kind of unclear who these people are, um, but he says that it's their mission to make Chuck fail. And then the episode ends. <laughs> it seems like, once again, a gross misuse of government funds and uh, people to just be making this one guy fail at his business. But presumably we'll find out why. I kind of appreciate the pettiness, though, because I would think that <laughs> could, wouldn't you enjoy being like having a government agency and like a board, a, a conference room full of people that you could just like hone in on one person. And you could just ruin their life for no reason. <laughs> I'd I probably mean, feel pretty good. <laughs> I just don't. I mean, maybe I, maybe it's just that we've taken a bit of a long break since we saw season four. But I genuinely don't understand what Decker is that mad about. Like, right. it, I mean, it is very petty. It's like next level pettiness. So, OK, um, I'll be on board with it. 
But he also makes it seem that everything that Chuck has encountered thus far has all been part of some kind of grand scheme that we are now working towards uncovering that everything was intentional. Nothing happened on accident. Everything. So the ring, Fulcrum, Shaw, Volkov, all of it has been orchestrated by Decker or some team that Decker knows. I just remembered that Shaw's going to come back this season and I'm getting pretty hyped. <sighs> I forgot about that. That's going to be exciting. Uh, yes. I hope. I mean, I hope it's exciting. I don't really remember how it plays out, but it'll be nice to see him at any rate. Yes. So that is Chuck versus the Zoom. I don't know if you saw, but apparently this is kind of an interesting little tidbit. The house that the perfect house, the dream house mm-hmm. that they shoot outside of is apparently the house from something called Scarecrow and Mrs. King, which is a uh, I don't know if it's a television show or a movie. Um, right. But it stars Bruce Boxletner, who plays uh, Mr. Mr. Woodcomb. He plays Devin's father, Woody, oh, wow. Woody Woodcomb. OK. And apparently Scarecrow and Mrs. King has the the plot is roughly that an average citizen slowly becomes involved with a spy and ends up falling in love with and marrying the spy who's assigned to them. Oh, it's also featured in uh, Young Sheldon. This is the house from Young Sheldon? I don't know if it's the house from Young Sheldon or if it's just featured in Young Sheldon. I'm trying to figure out where it is. Sarah is such a big fan of the Big Bang Theory and Young Sheldon that she's like, there's only one house that I want and it is Young Sheldon's house. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, it <laughs> seems to be on the WB lot. So that makes sense why it was um, used in so many things and it's also incomprehensible where in LA it would be located. <laughs> so, okay, that's very interesting. I'm sure that is another one of um, Josh Schwartz and Chris Fedek's shows that they watched in their youths and were like, we gotta have the house. What if we just took the premise of this entire show and or movie? Because uh, <laughs> that basically sounds like, so Chuck is just a slightly comedic version of Scarecrow and Mrs. King. I guess I'm uh, I'm sure if I Google Rick Decker right now, it will be a reference to um, some famous 80s character. Let's find out. No, OK, I, w- I was wrong, it, but it is a race car driver. So, well, that's okay. all you need. Uh, yep. Yeah, that's fine. OK, uh, <laughs> so moving on to the first Chuck Mary kill of the season. Woo! Woo! Hundred hundred episodes of Chuck Mary Kill. That's no, not true. It isn't in hundred episodes, or maybe it is. I guess no, we've, I been we've been doing this since the beginning. Since the beginning, yeah. Wow, happy happy hundredth day, Chuck Mary Kill. <laughs> we would marry you every day. That's a hundred mm-hmm, times. That's true. Yes, our that's... our marriage. So it was, we can be there for each other when things get tough. Right. Exactly. Because uh, Chuck Mary Kill, it's not always easy. Yeah, you, you got to work you through know, it. Sometimes it's really hard. Yeah. Um, sometimes it my... is really hard. My Mary for this week, um, I'm going to go with Sarah's new hair. I really liked her haircut, like you said. Um, I think that she has had her hairstyle. It's been vaguely similar for four seasons, um, and that allowed them to do a lot with it. She had a lot of different hairstyles, but this one, I feel like, really fits her her character right now. Um, And I think that leads into a larger Mary, which would be just Yvonne's performance in this episode in general. I don't know if it was because I just saw her in the Tomorrow War, but I was feeling very warm towards her. And I thought she, as usual, balanced the emotion of like admitting her longtime childhood dreams of living in young Sheldon's house to Chuck 
and also the action and the comedy. I thought she did a great job and I was I was feeling it. What about you? Uh, well, after 100 episodes and 10 years of knowing Aaron, it seems that our brains are almost completely linked <laughs> at this point. Uh, I had originally written down Sarah's haircut for my Mary, but in the interest of doing something different, I would say that I would marry um, Morgan goes on. A, we didn't really touch upon it, but Morgan goes on like this weird little like rant about baseball when he's trying to calm himself down about uh, yeah, I, uh, touching up. Sarah. I thought it was boring, so I didn't write it down, but it's your Mary. <laughs> I thought it was very random um, and amusing as someone who I hadn't been to a baseball game in a very long time and recently went to a baseball game and had a lot of the same thoughts and feelings that Morgan had about baseball. So I felt that I felt seen and appreciated while I was watching that minor moment. And I thought that was a uh, nice little character detail. I also um, we also didn't touch upon it when we were discussing the third act, but something else that I would like to I don't it wasn't necessarily it wasn't good, but I thought it was funny, maybe ironically. But Casey's old friend Stark comes back like when they're apprehending them in uh. Bale's computer room. And he says, hello, general, or you used to be a general. And then, like, puts him in handcuffs or something like that. And I'm like, are we supposed to care about this <laughs> dynamic? This man's not- impression right. of Casey. <laughs> this- <laughs> is he coming back later or what is happening? Because nothing has been done with this is not a actual subplot at all. What is going on? Yeah. But the episode seemed to think that that would be an impactful moment. And it, it was, was a, not, so. a sick burn. I guess it is ironic Mary for me. Uh, okay. Real Mary cool. for the baseball rant. Okay. Good, good choices. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. So for my kill, um, I would, I would pick Decker. My um, notes that I wrote is who is this guy? I don't care. Um, but to get more granular and specific with that, I, again, just don't really understand what his deal is. Like, I understand the impulse at the end of each season or the beginning of each new season to be like, actually, everything that came before was like when they did it with the ring, it was actually Fulcrum. When they did it with Fulcrum, it was actually Volkov. Like, I understand the impulse to keep kind of snowballing and building on things. But at some point, like, I it kind of diminishes what they had to defeat in the last season. Um, and I feel like Decker doesn't really work as like the shadow man like he he hasn't been in the wings it isn't like they realize that beckman is actually evil which my queen would never but like i don't know who he is i don't really have much of a relationship to him he just like showed up at the end of season four and Mm -hmm. they're kind of acting like oh he's the big bad and i don't understand what his motivations are and we don't have enough like screen time with him for me to have any other reaction than like oh geez like we have to deal with this now which, mm-hmm. like, they've had... I mean, Chuck has a bit of a villain problem. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's not new, but it was just kind of a bummer. Like, we're in the final season now, and I'm not really, like... I'm not really convinced by this guy. Yeah, I think that the it does seem like... Because he only really was introduced in, what, the like, the very last episode of season four? I want to say that's true. And then he appears again here, and it, it almost kind of feels like we're supposed to have more of a relationship or a more yeah. of a... Like that was just be like, ooh, it's Decker, but it's really not that captivating. And he's yeah. really not that it just because he doesn't he's not super intimidating or scary. He's more just yeah. like annoying at this point. Yeah. And he doesn't really seem like a good villain. Like because a lot of the villains 
not that they're necessarily foils of Chuck because they're they're usually not, but um, he just doesn't really his dynamic with Chuck is not really a good antagonist relationship yeah yet. it's not fun yet but which again make make beckman bad 2021 <laughs> i think she would be a great villainess that would be yeah that'd be hard though to yeah. watch her go to the dark side i mean it's true yeah it would but she could do it i would kill the acronym for the toes in the sand beach house project uh and how often it was used i thought like it happened they make a joke about the acronym at the top of the episode. I'm like, which is well, fine. Like, whatever. whatever. You're fine. like, okay, okay, you get one. Right. And then they just keep leaning into it. They're like, here's a picture <laughs> of the binder with what it says. Here's Sarah realizing what the name of the binder. Here's like, it just kept coming through like over yeah. and over again. And I just thought it was just like childish and immature. And yeah. it was like the big BM all over again. Right. Exactly. But I was like, it just felt like so like lazy and not even I'm like, this is the, the start this is the season premiere and this is the kind of joke you want to incorporate into the season premiere like it just was uh obviously once again friday night death slot so it yeah. sounds like they potentially could be phoning it in uh but i just thought that it was pretty lame and just not that yeah not that funny and they didn't really like i could i could easily see them doing something with it where like Jeff finds the binder like that could have been the B plot where he finds Uh, a binder and he's uh like, ah, this seems like my interest. And then it's like actually like houses and then he's bored like Mm. that could have been something that would have been more than just like, ha ha, it says tits. Mm. (laughs) Get it. Or if like Morgan kind of like. Pretended that it was like his and Chuck shared porn or something like they don't really do anything other than like the acronym is funny, Mm -hmm. which like. First of all, it's not really that funny. It's like a mm-hmm. joke for a 10-year-old. But second yeah. of all, like they don't really build on it at all. So it's even more egregious that they're, like I'm having to look at it. Right. <laughs> it doesn't escalate at all. It's just it's the same joke over and over again, which is not funny. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So now we're getting into the scooter scale. First scooter scale of season five. Those corn dogs are back. They're piping hot. <laughs> Careful, you're going to burn your mouths with these these corn dogs uh scale of zero to five aaron how many corn dogs would you give this episode i'm gonna give this episode four corn dogs ah um i didn't think it was perfect by any means but i thought it was generally very enjoyable um as i said before i think it's a fairly good entry point like stupid jokes and like problems aside I think it's a good entry point to the season and a good entry point to the show in general. As someone who this was my first episode that I ever saw, I thought um, it was really clear what all the character dynamics are. And even if it's a little bit at some points, like feels like they're beating us over the head with like Sarah saying, Chuck, I am your wife and stuff like that, like to make it clear what these relationships are. Like I thought that it got me up to speed on everything except maybe why I was supposed to care about Decker um, fairly quickly. I thought it was engaging. I thought it was fun. I thought it had some of the fun Chuck references and guest appearances that we love without like calling too much attention to itself. And I thought generally it just went down really smooth. So four, four corn dogs from me. What about you? Sounds like you kind of have some like warm nostalgia feelings for this being the first full length episode of Chuck that you saw. It seems like I do. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know that going into it, but I I do certainly. Um, Also, because I 
know what's coming and have less warm feelings about that. So I'm just kind of taking my enjoyment where I can. Okay. Uh, I would give this three out of five corn dogs. Okay. Uh, as I was watching this, I had to remind myself that this was a season premiere. I know season <laughs> premieres historically for Chuck have been kind of a mixed bag, but I feel like this was particularly disappointing. Uh, since we know it is the start of the final season, it's the last season premiere that we'll we'll have. It just felt like it was kind of a middle of the season kind of episode. I didn't think uh, Bale as a villain or the plot was was really that interesting. Um, also, we covered a lot of territory here that the show has already explored and used time and time again. Chuck doesn't know if he's a hero without the intersect. We've done that ad nauseum. Uh, Chuck feels the need to make big life decisions without involving Sarah. And there's tension that arises from that. We've seen that countless times. Uh, Sarah has to be objectified or use her sexuality in order for Chuck to feel comfortable communicating with her. Uh, seen that plenty of times as well. It's just kind of all really kind of stale sort of stuff at this point. I was hopeful when we started out with the cameo from Mark Hamill, but I didn't think that Craig Kilborn was necessarily the best actor. Didn't really think they that his character was written. They could have used, I mean, I'm sure it would have upped his, uh, his uh, quote, but they could have used Mark Hamill more. Right, yeah. I was also, I thought it was funny that Chuck and Morgan did not recognize Mark Hamill, being that they are very large Star Wars fans. So you think that they would see this man and be like, oh, Jean-Claude kind of looks like Mark Hamill, but they, that, they should not do that in a show. That would be weird. They should not be <laughs> making references to... Not make to, a Ocean's 12 kind of joke. Right. Uh, aside from that, I thought that the Jeff and Lester plot seemed pretty underdeveloped and just like an afterthought. Didn't mm. really, it was kind of, didn't have a payoff, wasn't really spread out through the episode. Felt like it could have been more interesting uh, if they had more time to do, like they explored it more, if Jeff was thought that he was actually injured or just something like that. But mm. overall, I didn't think that this was the strongest episode to kick off the final season, which then again, I don't really know how strong this final season will be overall. So maybe this is a fitting way to open it. Uh, but I feel like, to your point, it does kind of convey a lot of information from a very practical standpoint in terms of catching people up to speed. So mm -hmm. I don't know what else I was expecting, but that is my that is my take on Chuck versus the Zoom. OK, thanks for sharing. <laughs> You're welcome. So thank, thank you for listening. In. Let's zoom Boom. in to our lessons of the week. Yes. What did you learn this week, Aaron? Um, I learned that, like Chuck and Morgan, I don't always recognize Mark Hamill when I see him. <laughs> it, was, it was an easy lesson. Do you see him a lot? Like enough for you to be like, oh, that, I, I miss Mark Hamill again, or you just... <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, I guess mostly I hear him in voice performances, which is yeah. a little bit of a different vibe. Um, and I, I don't feel as guilty for not recognizing him when he's doing like a Joker impression or something. Uh -huh. um, but I don't know. I was just like, I was very excited when I saw on my little Amazon ID, whatever that's called, that it was Mark Hamill. And then I was like, shit, that's Mark Hamill. And then I like looked at him again and I was like, I still I still don't really recognize him as Mark Hamill. So if you want, I don't know if you've seen it, but if you want a delightful uh, little YouTube clip to watch, uh, what, there's a wonderful clip of Adam Scott on Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Mark Hamill makes a surprise cameo and it is okay wonderful that sounds like it, my it's brand, so, so it's so it's so good i don't want to spoil like too much of what the context is but it's it's okay. very heartwarming all right i'm looking forward um, to it what did you I learn this week i learned this week that sometimes if you want to get stuff done you got to hack that pda <laughs> just get all up in that pda and oh just, no you 
You're stealing my closing joke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're you're the decker to my my Chuck. Oh, thank you. Um <laughs> and you're the Rush Limbaugh to go check yourself. Good, good callback. <laughs> thank you. Uh so now we must turn <laughs> we must uh bring this episode to a close. We must zoom out. We must end the zoom, if you will. And get ready for the rest of the season. I hope that you enjoyed listening. I hope you will enjoy us for the rest of season five. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I, I am happy to be back. It's good to be here. My name is Chris Gillespie. Reminding you that food uh, is sexy. Especially when it wears what I'm discovering is apparently not that crazy of lingerie. I guess. <laughs> I don't. It just makes me. I have to do a lot of soul searching and really reevaluate something. Yeah, I think I, you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Until then. There wasn't even like any spandex or like there wasn't um, leather. Like I feel like there's a lot of like leather straps that's in now. I'm going to. Is it OK if I like write a list of questions and I can yeah. maybe we, yeah, can, we talk can do that okay. next episode. OK. Um, <laughs> on the air. My name is Aaron Arata reminding you that anything is possible. And now I'm off to hack some PDA. There you go. Just running around Los Angeles, getting up into all those PDAs. hacking it. <laughs> uh, what a what a big episode. All these milestones. Next episode won't have any milestones. So nope, we can just get right into it. Yep. We'll just have to enjoy this exciting moment as it is fleeting. It's going. It's going. It's it's almost gone. It's almost is it gone yet? Nope. It's still I still feel a little bit. Nope. It's going. We're almost. And it's gone. Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.